0: Welcome to NFT Telling Talk, where we explore the people of Web3 and their impact on the future of technology. My name is Sander the Ape, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Chris Katcher. Dr. Katcher is the co-founder of Web3's three quantum technologies and the lead portfolio manager at KJA, with a remarkable track record of calling major tops and bottoms in Bitcoin since 2011. Has a record-breaking auditor, in stocks and crypto, a web-free builder, best-selling author, top 40 charted musician, a doctor of nuclear physics from UC Berkeley, and a biohacker. So sit back, grab a banana, relax, and let's get started. Chris, it's great to have you here. Uh, Can you perhaps start by introducing yourself in a, a little bit more?
1: Uh, Sure, I mean, I could give you uh, some brief background. Um, Basically, I uh, always had an affinity toward um, mathematics and sciences and uh, uh, computers. And so then, um, I I, I don't know, I'll I'll give you very brief, because I don't want to go too much into it um, uh, right now, maybe later, but uh, basically I I did a a PhD in nuclear physics from Berkeley, uh, University of California. And uh, we ended up uh, putting two elements on the periodic table of elements, uh, 106 and 110. 106 became Seaborgium, which was named, we were allowed to name after my thesis advisor, Glenn Seaborg, who's a Nobel laureate, uh, who discovered uh, plutonium and nine other elements. Um, And he also served under 10 presidents as uh, their um, nuclear energy advisor. And uh, then I did a 180 after I got my degree in all this glory and went into uh, the stock market to uh, really uh, sow my oats when it comes to uh, understanding the fundamentals and technicals that drive successful companies. And uh, I went to work for my number one choice, uh, William O'Neill, who's a legend. Uh, He has a top track record in stocks that date back to 1958. He started Investors Business Daily, which has more CEOs reading it than any other uh, financial paper in the United States. He uh, wrote investment classics like How to Make Money in Stocks. And so when he uh, gave me the offer, um, I jumped and uh, I became his top uh, performing uh, portfolio manager over a string of several years. And uh, this was uh, measured against the top performing uh, hedge funds and mutual funds, which I outperformed. And uh, then I got placed in Kevin Martyr's book, Conversations with Top Traders, uh, after having uh, six years of triple digit returns, triple digit percentage returns. And Kevin is the uh, co-founder of marketwatch.com. And he's a great writer. And he traveled around the United States interviewing uh, what he believed to be the best investors. And he put me in chapter one because uh, he did audits on all our trades, by the way. And uh, he said that by far, I uh, reached the highest returns uh, out of anybody he interviewed. Um, That was clocked at over 72,000% over a span of from 1996 to 2000. And uh, then uh, a few years later, uh, I was in Geneva launching a hedge fund, and uh, they said that these are re- unbelievable returns. You need to get this properly audited. <laughs> so I got a big four auditor, at KPMG, and they did the audit from 1996, started 1996 to the end of 2002. So that covered seven years. It covered the bull and the bear markets, and so no one could say, "Oh well, you you know, money money was easily made in 1998 and 1999." Uh, My equity curve shows exponential growth uh, all to uh, the year 2000, the end of year 2000. And then um, it goes flat uh, because uh, there was nothing to do. And I actually took my profits and did very, very few trades for the next, basically the next three years, Um, specifically March of 2000, which is the market top. uh, And then uh, all the way up to March of 2000. uh, And uh, then... um, from there uh i had moved to geneva switzerland launched the fund hedge fund um and uh we can fast forward all of that I, we were, were actually uh this it was the first year of launch we we're in hsbc's top three percent of uh performing funds so things were going well um and i ended up writing a book uh, for wiley and sons in the year 2010 with uh, an investment partner of mine uh, in california and that became a bestseller um it was trade-like on O'Neill and uh, we ended up writing a few more books for Wiley and Sons and I got bought my first Bitcoin in 2013 in January and it was in the teens at the time and um, the uh, history I I became increasingly involved in blockchain tech Uh, I can see that this is evolutionary and uh, therefore uh, I launched in Tallinn, Estonia uh, a uh, startup that is blockchain based in 2018 and now uh we're just uh we're just coming into profit uh what looks like starting next month Uh, four years worth of um creating uh the right relationships the right connections and uh so it's been worth worth the, the four years of uh toil and sweat and labor Um, And it's always fun. I always say, you know, why do it if you're not fun with it? Because then the passion won't be there. And if you really want to be number one at something that you have to have passion. So I've always guided my life in that direction. Um, I I would say, though, that nuclear physics was not something that I was ever passionate about. It was something I was good at. And I really didn't know what to do when I finished my four year degree, also from UC Berkeley. Uh, And I had this red carpet rolled out for me to stay at berkeley and do this phd program and uh i mean working at a particle of sounded really cool and so that's what i did and i met some amazing people amazing scientists um and so even though my heart wasn't in it as much as it was in the art of spectral the art and science of speculation and stocks um i still really enjoyed the, the journey. And, uh, you know, I know it was disappointing that I wasn't going to continue on that path when I finished my, my PhD. Uh, and to do a pivot to work at O'Neill seemed uh, like, you know, a, a breach of, of, of loyalty. <laughs> but, you know, we have to live our own lives. And I have no regrets having, uh, having done that because I, I'm fond of saying the last day I ever worked in my life was the first day I started at William O'Neill and Company. And that was still remember the day, January 22nd, 1996, because then I'm exactly where I need to be exactly doing what I want to do and love to do. And my life has been pretty much patterned that way ever since. So I'm very grateful for that. And I always tell people, you know, who haven't figured out maybe what their passion is, do whatever it takes to figure that out, because then the world opens up lots of paths. And then again, you like work anymore. And, you know, every day, every day is a holiday. And that, that is actually the funny thing, a little sidebar here, is I was the only company, uh, only, only employee in the history of the company, Willie Moniel and the company, they, they had been founded in 1964. So I worked starting in 1996. And by the year uh, 2000, the president of the company um, came to me and said, this is extraordinary. We've never had an employee top out their, their vacation time. You're not taking any vacations. <laughs> You're going to have to start taking vacation time. Otherwise, they, you, know, you, don't, you can't accrue anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I love trading the market. I don't like to be uh, away from it. So, And the same crypto. Crypto is 24-7. So I've had to figure out ways uh, with my bio clock to, to manage that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, here we are today. And we're going to be launching a crypto fund. Uh, that's right now in, just, just on the verge. Um, so that's all very exciting. And uh, I have a track record that I've been uh, using. That's my family office account. So um, that's all in the blockchain. And we've done a deep, deep audit into that. And it shows, it proves that I've been able to use my macros and metrics to um, call, uh, well, basically within a few weeks of major tops and major bottoms in Bitcoin uh, since 2013, since I've been doing this. And uh, I have a website, selfishinvesting.com, where we uh, I, I run that with uh, my investment partner uh, who also co- co-wrote a number of books with me. And uh, we send out reports on the fly on a daily basis. And uh, we talk about you know what we're seeing, what's actionable in stocks, uh, crypto, not so much because we're, we've been in a bear market. But I have a track record on there that's a crypto picks list. So it shows the dates that different cryptocurrencies were added in and uh, taken off the list. Um, and it was in November of 2021 that I sent out a report that said, okay, for the first time since 2018, the fed is turning hawkish. So expect major headwinds ahead. And, uh, by January of 2022, um, I took most of the names off the crypto picks list. I took them, took the profits out of them and, uh, um, put out more warnings. and I said, well, this is actually, this is, this is serious. I don't know how, how bad the correction is going to be, but we are, I don't think we're in safe water. We're not in a safe harbor anymore because the Fed is clearly going to be tightening um, and they've completely switched their stance. And the last time they were tightening the balance sheet was in 2018 when we got the first Christmas crash on record in December 24th. Um, which is a half trading day it's not supposed to be a crash day and yet it it was a continuation of the downtrend Um, and that's because the Fed was tightening so the macro picture is so important in terms of risk on assets of which stocks are risk on and crypto is risk on squared or risk on cubed you know and and so it just boggled my mind that um, these talking heads on YouTube with their millions of followers are just trying to pick bottoms in January, February, March of last year in Bitcoin and crypto. I, I just kept I kept persisting the pedal, pressing the pedal that, you know, this is this is destructive. Um, you're going to lose a lot of money. Your, your followers is going to lose a lot of money. And um, I mean, my my whole crypto picks list was sitting in cash for for the vast majority of last year and and, and now, too. There's really nothing nothing to be to be buying. Um, I mean, I'm looking for themes that uh, have companies that are highly disruptive in, uh, in blockchain, using, using blockchain technology, with a great team and uh, pedigree. And uh, then I use the charts to time my entries and exits. So in years like 2017, where everything's flying, everything's a rocket ride, uh, I'm still looking for the names like uh, what was known as AntShares back in 2017 and became known as NEO. Uh, and in June of 2017, that was a market, a mini market. In six months, crypto had 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 rocketed, my gosh, 10 to 100 fold in six months. I've never seen anything like it in the history of speculation. Friends who became overnight millionaires from like $30,000 investments, like BitShares, for instance. That was a hundred bagger for a friend of mine. And uh, so in June, I, I was thinking, OK, well, we're, we're, we're having a correction now, as we should. But what else is out there? I don't think this bull market's over. And I found NEO, um, and uh, I actually uh, did. Heavy, I bought that a number of times, and uh, that was one of the big winners for the next six months um, in 2017. And uh, I, I did the same thing with Chainlink in 2019. 2019, the, the bull market hadn't really. Uh, it was, we we had like kind of a bullish run in the first half of the year, but it wasn't convincing yet. Uh, we just come out of 2018. And so the market was still licking its wounds, but Chainlink seemed to me like, based on its met, based on all the, all the things that are going into what what it does for the for the space, it seemed like a great investment. So that was another example of buying up a, a company that's showing a lot of strength with great fundamentals. So I bought that a number of times as well. And this is how I tend to outperform, well outperform Bitcoin bull markets um, in bear markets uh, like 2014, 2018, and 2022. I'm generally in cash, uh, in 2018, I went to cash, um, in January and then in, um, well, by March of 2019, I had my first major buy signal in, in, in Bitcoin. Uh, so, and you can see that on selfishinvesting.com, all the, all the reports are uh, timestamped. Uh, and then in, uh, well, in 2022, um, I didn't just go to cash, but the shorting platforms uh, were a lot more reliable, and so I started shorting uh, crypto in in, uh, in earnest in uh, February of last year, and uh, that's pretty much all I've done uh, up to up to now. I'm still I'm still short some positions right now. Um, so last year I know was devastating to most people, just like 2018 was devastating, um, and it's nice to be able to say in a year like 2018 or last year that hey, I was up. And uh, it's all about, you know, market timing with using not just the Bitcoin metrics, which worked in uh, easing, quantitative easing environments, but uh, it, it plays second fiddle completely to the macro picture, uh, because what the Fed does, that's what the market's going to do. So they've been tightening and they're, they're still going to tighten a couple more times at least. And I don't think that uh, the other shoe has dropped yet. I think. Even though uh, crypto is well off its peak and Bitcoin, I think, corrected uh, 75% peak to trough and uh, Ethereum even more so. And and then altcoins corrected 90% or more. uh, I think we have another leg down uh, before we hit a major floor. And same with stocks. I mean, the S&P 500 has only dropped 25%. And we have to unwind a massive, massive bubble uh, that was built uh, from uh, late 2008 after the financial collapse when the fed stepped in and launched qe1 and they've done all these iterations of qe since then uh up until um well up until uh, basically the end of uh, 2021 and then they started tightening so i think we're going to have um rough sledding ahead because this bubble is still massive it the unwinding of it is probably going to be if we're lucky it's probably going to be something like the dot com boom which uh That's where the NASDAQ lost 78 percent of its value from 2000 to 2002 Um, or 1930 to 32. That was a massive bubble from the roaring 20s that had to be unwound. And uh, the Dow lost 90 percent of its value. I don't think we're going to have perhaps that that deep a correction simply because I think we're going to get This is a little perverse, but I think we're going to get another black swan. Uh, I think the the tipping points are there where the markets are more vulnerable now than they were in in the 2000s or uh, basically this is the end of the 75 year debt cycle. And that's what Ray Dalio has talked about. And what usually happens at the end of these cycles is you have a changing of the guard. Uh, Reserve currency of the world, which is the dollar, uh, ceases to be the world's reserve currency and something takes its place, usually because of war and revolution. I don't think we're going to get that this time just because we have all these revolutionary technologies at hand AI blockchain put the two together you have so much utility being created and uh therefore a lot of money generation a lot a lot of GDP can come can come from this and you know wars are built from famine and 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 uh also you know it's wars are money motivated so I think that these Bleeding edge technologies will soften the blow and I think we will get a uh, we won't get a crash landing in the form of a, of a major global war. Uh, I think instead we'll get a hard landing where uh, markets will continue to correct. And uh, if if we don't get a black swan, I, I think that the markets are, have a lot further low further down to go. Um Because if we don't get the black swan, then the Fed is going to stay on its stance of um, a high terminal of, say, above 5%. And that's going to squeeze the markets dry. Um, On the other hand, if we get a magnitude, uh, a black swan of of like a big magnitude, um, depending on how serious it is, it's going to force the Fed's hand into launching QE5. And uh, if it's anything like uh, the financial collapse of 2008 or COVID, well, then they're going to be printing trillions again. And then it's off to the races. Hey, that's the big bull buy signal. Um, uh, We'll have to just wait and see uh, how this how this all plays out. It's impossible to predict really what what when and what the nature of the next black swan is going to be. Um, We don't know what we don't know, as they say.
0: So I understand uh, on this last note, uh, you don't really make a prediction, but you're just uh, uh, looking at what's happening the, and uh, having uh, all the different sources coming to you. And the moment when something happens, then uh, you act based on that and not uh, do
1: any predictions before. It's very Zen. It's just living in the present, taking in the data uh, and then acting accordingly. And uh, I know a lot of investors love to make predictions, and I do too. It's fun. It's uh, but it doesn't make you money because predictions are well, they're they're not very valuable because they usually don't turn out correct. Um, or or let's say they could be correct, but the timing the timing is nearly impossible impossible to get right. And when you do have something dire, you know, like COVID, look how fast the the markets unraveled with COVID. Um, And then look how fast they bounce back because the Fed stepped in and started printing trillions. So, yeah, you have to just really be uh, uh, in in the zone in real time in the present when it comes to investing your own money.
0: Yep. So and that's actually a good segue going back uh, all the way to the beginning, uh, because I understand that the the way that you're able to be that Zen uh, must be uh, from the... Uh, background of uh, research and uh, nuclear uh, physics or is it something else that's uh, allowing you
1: to kind of uh, be so uh, technical and analytical? I think it has to do with uh, my nature, which is to be analytical and to understand uh, the nature of the markets, the nature of the stocks or the cryptocurrencies I'm looking at, um, the nature of my portfolio, where it's at. Just keeping all these variables uh, fluid, and uh, not being a bull or a bear, uh, but just basically being on the trying to be on the right side of the market. And uh, you know, during these bear markets, you get these vicious what I call dead bat bounces, where markets can rally. Well, we've seen we've seen this in 2018. I think uh, Ethereum doubled. uh, Well, it doubled actually uh, last year. (laughs) It it Mm -hmm. went from like about a thousand to almost two thousand in in the middle of a bear market. Um, and so short traders can get cleaned out if they're not careful. Uh, shorting is a totally different animal to going long. Uh, there's a saying that uh, stocks take the uh, elevator up, but the trap door down. And, you know, with with shorting, um, it's like a, it, it's a very difficult um, it, it's like it's like riding a, a rabid bucking bronco uh that that is you know it, that, that's that's been infused with with nuclear fuel it it's it's very very um important to have risk control in shorting um and not to get greedy the, your government really gets amplified with shorting because you can make a lot of money very quickly and then it sometimes becomes difficult to take those profits because they come so fast um and so in, in some of our books, we talk about this. We, uh, Gil and I, uh, he's my investment partner in California. We wrote a book on, on uh, short selling. Uh, it was the third book we wrote for Wiley & Sons. And uh, yeah, it, it talks about all the psychological pitfalls involved uh, w- on the short side that um, are not so prevalent on the long side. On the long side, you, have, you, know, you see these uptrends. And they tend to be on really good crypto names, for instance, in 2020, 2021. Uh, You had some beautiful uptrends uh, and you hopefully you have your uh, sell stops in and reasons to sell when the trend ends. Um, A good friend of mine, Ed Sakota, he's like uh, he's to to the futures market as Bill O'Neill's is to the stock market in terms of top track record. And uh, his saying is the trend is your friend until the end when it bends. So with crypto, it will bend and. It it, to my chart eye, it's it's very obvious when I need to get out of a a, a crypto position. Um, But it's a lot easier to ride these things. My 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 signature style is to sit on a winning position for weeks, uh, if not maybe longer, if if the trend persists. Um, I I don't have any issue with trying to take profits prematurely. That's that's just never been part of my my trading personality. Um, I I like names that are doing well and i have no problems just sitting in them or even adding to the position um and then when it comes time you know when you got to sell you got to sell you know you, when you're when your rules are violated don't ask questions just take your profits and be grateful and then move move the capital capital into something else and um it's kind of like musical chairs uh constantly uh force feeding capital into the next best names uh once the names you are in have uh hit their sell stops and, uh, yeah, I think, I think trading personality, one's knowing one's trading personality is really important. We all have strengths and weaknesses and either we need to learn to, uh, overcome the weaknesses or if the weakness is, can't be overcome, then learn to trade with it. Learn to identify when the weakness arises and, uh, act accordingly. And uh, I think that is the biggest, um, challenge to, uh, long-term investing success is uh, battling one one's own inner demons. Uh, Ed Seykota actually is not just uh, holds the top track record in futures. Um, both both him and William O'Neill were in Jack Schwager's uh, eminent classic uh, market wizards. And uh, Seykota has trained up more investment all-stars than anyone living or dead. Um, and the way he does it is he handpicks them based on their character traits takes them under his wing. They sometimes will come to his, uh, when he was living in incline village, uh, they'll stay with him for a number of weeks. And, um, he does, it's not that he's trying to teach them his method. It's that he's trying to allow them to find themselves as a trader. And once they connect with their ability and know how to create a strategy around that, um, then success is nearly inevitable. Uh, and so there's, yeah, there's a lot of greats that have come from his school of trading. Um, and, uh, and I really I, I, when I met him uh, in Incline Village the first time, it was uh, a meeting I'll never forget uh, took place over a weekend. And uh, he actually had a student there at the time. And uh, it was all about internal psychology. He didn't care to know about my investment style or my strategy or my technique or my track record. I mean, very I was very proud of my track record by that point. Uh, but that was irrelevant. He, he and, and I re- still remember he said, with your permission, can I can I poke around in your brain? While you're here, and I said I would be more than honored. I said I know what you do, and I said this would be amazing. This do whatever it takes. Do do your thing. And uh, what was nice to hear though was at the at the end of my stay, he he felt that um, there was nothing nothing seriously alarming. There were no yellow or red flags. He he saw that my success should continue, but his concern was that future success may create problems, as in when you have a lot of great uh, success after success, then I've seen this happen in, in stocks, uh, like in the dot-com boom, it goes to people's heads. They have a couple of years of success. They think they figured it all out, they quit start their own hedge fund, whatever, you know, and I, I saw this pattern over and over and over again. And I remember his words, you know, be, be mindful of your success. So that helped me a lot in keeping my head and it allowed me to go to cash in March of 2000 and stay mostly in cash for the next three years. Um, and that, that, but, but his words still as a, as a uh, seasoned trader and as someone that, um, in the U S uh, like Gil, Gil and I, we, we hate it when, when investors say, oh, you guys are gurus or you're whatever you're, you're putting us on a pedestal. We don't deserve to be because we're still students of the market. William O'Neill himself always said that he is a student of the market and will always be. And, uh, 2021 was a great lesson for me. Uh, someone asked, what's your what's your greatest trading year? Well, the greatest trading year wasn't the year I I, I made the most percentage wise. The greatest trading year was the year I learned the most. And that was 2021 when I got involved in uh, leveraged futures trading in cryptocurrencies. And uh, I made and lost three fortunes that year. I never violated my principle because I have very risk uh, rig- uh, rigid uh, risk control measures. Um, but I did make a pile of money. <laughs> Three times only to give most of it back. Um, so you know, when all was said and done, yeah, I did, I did, okay, I did pretty well in 2021. But I, I, if I had managed my head better, my uh, then I would have finished that year up the by far the most, I, the most I'd ever done in my trading career. Um, and so let's just say now I know what to do with the next bull market. I know what to do. I, I know exactly what I did wrong, and, and what wrong actually was that with with leveraged features when you hit it right your account goes ballistic your your account goes to the moon i'd never had my account move that fast in my life because i'd never used leverage on anything and do 10x 20x 25x and and i'm right my timing is right three times in 2021 that's how i made three fortunes but at the same time i didn't have uh your, your head does something funny and uh I wasn't mindful of taking the profits when I should have, and I had to. I, this had to happen to me three times for me to really learn the hard way um, how I need uh, in the future when it comes to leverage. But now uh, also it helped me shore up all my uh, my selling uh, strategies with crypto uh, because prior to 2021, it, it, you you didn't need so many rigid rules on when to get out. A lot of it was Bitcoin driven, and so I like in 2017 I was out. Uh, well, I got out in mostly in january two thousand they were really good sales, but I was using Bitcoin as my main guide um by twenty twenty one you could no longer do that and uh i didn't realize that uh in time and that that 's why using using different diff- using old ways of getting out of the market didn't work and so the uh the fortunes were were given back um but uh that that helped my trading in terms of using uh, different forms of metrics um to, and and also uh different uh, what i call dynamic moving averages on charts which i never had to use before but now um i wish i had known then what i know now put it that way um so i'm really looking forward to the next bull market that we we're going to have in crypto um uh, as uh, now uh, i'm armed to the teeth with with the right knowledge and the right mindset and uh mindset again like i said that's well that's like 90 percent of investing And uh, the question, I I suppose, that begs the question of when is the next bull market? I don't think we're going to have one uh, potentially until, well, two scenarios. The first scenario, easy scenario, which is we get a massive black swan and the Fed starts printing trillions. Well, we're off to the races. And we don't know when that's going to be or if it's going to be. If we don't get the black swan, I really think that uh, the market doesn't find its low till sometime later this year or even next year. Uh, this is not stuff people want to hear, of course. <laughs> uh, and I don't think we get into a good classic crypto bull run until 2025. So basically two years, maybe maybe this year, is the market finds it slow. And then the year after, we kind of go sideways. Uh, and then, uh, well, that, that's what happened in 2014. That was a really bloody year. 2015 was more or less sideways 2016 was a mildly bullish crypto market and then 2017 where it was a big rocket ride so maybe we play out something like that we'll have to see
0: or we get to the black spawn and uh, no no one knows right okay so we've covered a lot of different places now Uh, and we start with the uh, scientific background, uh, and I understand that even though you enjoyed it to the fullest, then you don't uh, regret leaving it and don't want to go back, most likely. But found you're sitting in the trading and uh, listening to everything, uh, you really uh, enjoy trading. Uh, And that's where there's two questions. Uh, First question is, what made you uh, go from traditional markets into looking at uh, uh, Bitcoin in 2013, when you uh, bought your first? And, and then the second is, uh, after all this uh, trading of uh, more, almost uh, 30, uh, 30 years of uh, track record, what made you now uh, start a uh, company uh, and become a founder, uh, not just to continue being
1: a trader? Okay, well, th- for the fir- first question... Um... Well, I, and I'll, I'll just I'll do with this this one. Right, we started Hansa Digital Access. It was Hansa Coin in two thousand eighteen. It became Hansa Digital Access. We, we were, then We created a holding company, TriQuantum Technologies, and uh, under that uh, sits um, all these uh, bleeding edge technologies uh, that are blockchain based. And uh, the reason uh, we started it was there was a vast uh, hole in the market that uh, needed to be addressed. And I love doing startup stuff. Um, I mean, I, I love trading. That is that is certainly one of my biggest passions. But I, I love creating. And uh, I love writing. I love composing music. Um, I love building. And anything that is blockchain-based and now Web3-based is, to me, it's so revolutionary to humanity. Um, it's great to be a part of pushing that technology forward. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the love of building something is is not um money motivated at all. Um in fact that that's the irony of trading is it it's not the money that is motivating me uh in trading. It it's a game. I guess that's the best way to put it. It money's just a way to keep score. And it's funny because like in Cape Town, um I have a bunch of friends there. I used to go uh a couple times a year and we would play, you know, silly board games like Monopoly or whatever. And not for real money, but I would take those games as seriously as I, t- I take in real life, as, as I take in, in investing. Um, it's psychological for me. It, I love the win. I love the feeling of the win. And and uh, when you build something, you're introducing something new into the ecosystem that hasn't been done before. Um, that uh, in 2018, uh, me and the other, other co-founder put our heads together and we realized this is a no-brainer. we got to get this going. And it took us uh, here in Estonia, everything is so efficient that we incorporated in like, I think it was 11 days. Um, and then uh, we got to work and uh, we started building uh, um, bonds between uh, major banks, uh, major exchanges, which are going to be going digital uh, and major project managers, which are typically doing uh, projects in the neighborhood of, well, you know, all the way up to 150 million. And then and then some and uh these project managers are cash starved. They uh, onerous regulation like MiFID um, has made them cash starved. And uh, meanwhile, uh, the the banks are you know there's in Germany alone there's over three trillion dollars in savings that are yielding virtually zero percent. And so the customers are unhappy the German banks don't have product to sell to their customers that will yield even three or 4%, 5%. So we came along and we did a lot of road trips, a lot of presentations, um, at, at MIPIM and, uh, Expo Real, you know, major real estate, uh, ex- uh ex- exhibits. And we, uh, connected the banks with the project managers and, uh, of course, got in touch with uh, major exchanges like uh, Deutsche Börse in, uh, in Germany. And these are all pieces that are now coming together. Uh, the regulations are coming into place. And so, um, for instance, we have a number of projects in our pipeline that are going to get funded um, through the banks who are going to put these projects in front of their conservative customers. And uh, they typically yield 5 uh, to 7%. APY uh, at extremely low risk. And the reason we can offer five to 7% at that low risk level is because we're using cryptography to eliminate the middlemen, And it just basically makes the whole, uh, co- it makes it very cost effective and efficient. And so the banks are happy, the customers are happy, and the project managers are happy. So that that's how uh, our, our concept was born. And uh, then uh, we started to branch out because initially it was um, construction equity capital raise. That we're doing. So it's commercial and residential real estate. Then we uh, branched out into shipping. Then we branched out into power plants. Uh, we most recently won two major contracts. Uh, the first one is for alternate uh, meat products, meat substitutes. And uh, we have patent protection. Um, we have a better uh, tasting product, which is more nutritious than uh, our competition in the United States. Uh, this is a big win for us because we're going to be um doing the capital raise to build these factories out and uh, we also have a second big win which is to help uh the uh, effort in ukraine by, uh building uh drone drone factories and uh these are two totally separate entities but uh they they saw what we're doing is is uh, very instrumental to what they want to want, want to achieve um, and uh as far as the meat substitute uh, uh program um, we have some pretty major companies, uh, including Nestle that, uh, that are interested and already, um, going to be. So we're very pleased, uh, about four years of work, um, that we're finally going to go into profitability, profitability, uh, is looking like starting next month.
0: Okay. And, uh, are those, uh, brands already public, uh, so that uh, you, people can go and uh, get some info- information or are they all kind of like white label things?
1: Some are white labeled, but, uh, the, uh, the meat substitute, uh, program is, um, they have a factory. People can go visit it. Uh, there's going to be more factories. The scale, the scaling on this is going to be massive. Um, and because of the patent protection. So, uh, and what's that, the name of it? Sorry. And what's the name of it? Uh, it's born, born from, um, Baltimore. Uh, that's the company that holds the patents and, uh, our good friend is the CEO the the founder of Baltimore and uh in, interestingly the other co-founder of the company um uh that that we started has done business and he's had a long standing um uh bond with with this individual for gosh since 2009 I think 2010 so they they go way back, and uh, and I've met the family, and I, I think it's I think it's wonderful uh, what, what's happening um, because certainly he the the the, uh, the founder of Baltimore has certainly put a, a huge chunk of his life <laughs> into the research and uh, the effort in getting getting his company to where it's at right now, and uh, Vegetine is actually uh, the other company uh, that is connected to all of this that will be doing the uh, sales. And so they're, okay. they're, they're connected to Hershey's and, uh, sorry, not Hershey's, but Nestle. So hmm.
0: cool. And so I, I see that, uh, Bezutin is already selling like, uh, uh hemp, uh, pine and uh, some, right. uh, hemp oil and uh, different types of, uh, and uh, some other interesting high grades, plant, uh, plant-based proteins, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, hemp, the magic is hemp is I, I've always uh, championed hemp and uh, it's great to see a company that is really uh, maximizing its uh, use case.
0: Cool. And then going back onto to the other side. So how did you end up uh, getting to crypto from the traditional uh, investing
1: world? So in 2012, my favorite chef friend in the world. And I don't use that lightly because he's a friend. Uh, he's actually cooked on uh, he, he does yachts and he cooks for Richard Branson, and Ava Levine, Simon Cowell. And I, I mean, he's he's amazing. And uh, he kept telling me about Bitcoin. He's a very left of center, outside the box thinker. Uh, and, and we get on very well on that basis. And uh, so he he said, this is right up your alley. He you should. Re- I'm surprised you're not like involved in it yet. And so um, the light bulb went on when I saw a chart, uh price volume chart of Bitcoin. And that was in two thousand thirteen January two thousand thirteen and i couldn 't believe how clean the chart was. Uh, the stock market had lost that that clarity because of all the different uh, trading mech- mechanisms and and, and uh, high frequency trading and all these things which uh, which made the charts much more erratic uh, than say in the 1980s or 1990s or you know you could look 1920s I mean the cleanest charts you ever saw in the 1920s and when I saw Bitcoin, I fell off my chair. I mean, it was like just this revelation of okay, I can. This is the easiest chart I've ever seen, and the amount of money people are making is this is crazy. And then I, I was thinking, okay, what's driving the fundamentals? What is this? What is this about? Then, as I started to learn and read the white paper, then I fell off my chair again. You know, I it was like, this is this is too good to be true. This is amazing. So, um, yeah, I got involved in January and went full bore. Uh, and that coincided with actually a major i had a my first major offer in music um i'd performed at a charity convention in london and in in the audience uh was Andy Wright who put a number of majors on the map like simply red and uh, i i didn 't know who he was at the time because i 'm you know music for me is a hobby I, I love to compose I, I perform all my own material and some some of it 's been used in documentaries video games, and whatnot but he invited me to his studios and it's very famous studios in London. And, uh, he presented me with a contract. He basically said, I can monetize you. And this is what I've done for these bands. And I'm sure you've heard of all these bands. And, um, this, he had his whole plan, strategy in place. And I was pretty blown away. I was like, this is, this is big, but I'm running a hedge fund and I'm running a company out of California. And, you know, I'm doing all these other things. And, uh, my dad, my dad said, uh, my dad always said, don't sign unless it's Sony. <laughs> but when I told him about Andy Wright's offer and he knows who Andy Wright is, he said, oh, he, he was proud of me. He said, hey, if you want to do that, you have my blessing. Um, and I told Andy Wright, I need to think about this because Andy knew that I was other irons in the fire. And he basically said, if you're going to sign this contract, I need 100 percent of your attention if this is going to work. And it's not going to work if 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 I'm a, a, you know, kind of like on the back burner. Um, so I, I took a number of days to think about it and I really was 50, 50. I, I didn't know if I was going to do it or didn't want to do it. Uh, I would have had to give up some things that I was willing to give up with the stock 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 side of things. Um, but what ended up happening was I saw this Bitcoin chart, you know, I, I don't think there's coincidences in life. Everything happens for a reason. And I, I when I saw this Bitcoin chart, I flipped my head flipped and I was like then I, I did a deep dive. I was up all night. Reading that, why, just reading as much as I could about about the technology. And a few days later, I called Andy Wright and I said, you know, we're going to have to shelve this. Bitcoin has landed in my lap and I need to really explore this tech. Um, and so we were going to talk about, you know, where I stood six. I said, oh, let's give it some months. Well, of course, I got deeper into crypto um, as the months wore on and uh, less, less so. And, you know, my, my interest in stocks waned in my interest in crypto. Uh, waxed, so I that that was the uh, the rest is history. And um, since then, you know, I still run my uh, my website selfishinvesting.com. Uh, you know, I still love stocks. Stocks are still actionable, uh, regardless of the environment. We provide buy and shorting recommendations to to our members. Um, they did great last year. It's it's nice that you know a year that everyone's getting blown apart. Um, Gill, the the other the other in, in, uh, partner in California, he's great at shorting. I think he has one of the best track records in in as a short uh short sale guy and he um really good at picking his spot so i think a a lot of our members were pretty happy with you know the money either either they were happy because they went to cash and they they didn't get clobbered from uh i mean look 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 what happened to amazon and facebook and and netflix i mean they've all been halved um so they're you know cash is king when you're in a bear market but those who shorted, of course, then they made money. So, um, and then I have a market direction model that I started in the 90s. And um, I've used it as my guide in stocks to keep me on the right side of the markets. And uh, that model has, has blown, blown away the averages. Uh, over the last two years, it's up triple digits uh, for anyone who's just uh, blindly followed the signals, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, um, using uh, various ETFs. Uh, so I'm really pleased about, about that. It's been on, I think it's longest uh, cell signal uh, in its history. And it that cell signal started in June of last year. So now, now we're more than six months into a cell signal. Uh, and simply because the macro environment hasn't gotten any better. And, uh, uh, but yeah, its model usually has uh, the signal, length of the signals usually lasts for a number of weeks or less. Um, if the signal's wrong, maybe it lasts for only two days or three days. Uh, so this this unusual environment uh, for the model to have a signal this long, but of course it signals immensely profitable. Uh, and I think it's going to be continue to be profitable um, minus the dead bat bounces. You know, that's just the nature of, of the trade and people who know how the model works know that, um, you know, I'm not looking to catch the little wiggles. I'm looking to catch the meat of the move. Uh, and that's that same with my, uh, my long strategy, especially in crypto. I'm looking for, The meat of the move so you know from from the breakout point or maybe with crypto sometimes you can miss the breakout you can buy late but if you have a good trend in your favor the best names can still be bought even even if they're up a bit from their base um and then you just sit you sit and ride that trend and uh and then eventually there will be a time where it's time to sell um but if you if you're in the right names then you will um invariably have good profits um and like with stocks um the names i pick in crypto in a bull market there's going to be more than you know two or three names it's not going to be like 2019 where you know the majority of what i liked was Chainlink. it was just you know tiny very tiny number of names in 2019 but in 2020 uh the last half of 2020 and then part of 2021 there were many names to play and so I tend to distribute capital through the names I like the most, but certain names are going to lag and I'm going to sell those off and I'm going to force feed that capital into a faster horse. So I'm always trying to ride the fastest horses in, in the market. And I find that force feeding mechanism um, keeps my returns uh, well ahead of what Bitcoin's doing. Cause that, that's more of like the blue chain. Uh, Bitcoin is like a highly experienced, uh, you know, Fifty-something-year-old, um, but he's not going to win the races against, say, a twenty-five-year-old marathon runner. And I'm I'm looking to catch the twenty-five-year-old marathon runners that uh, are going to outpace Bitcoin. But at the same time, the, the the marathon runners can can burn out faster as well, and they're going to be a lot more volatile. So it's important to know when to take your profits. So yeah, there you go. That it was a chart, one one chart. That's what did it. That was a turning point.
0: Okay, yeah. And uh, did it also uh, also make you uh, shut down the hedge fund uh, or are the hedge fund still going? Uh, or
1: yeah, what's what's the story with that side? Well, the hedge fund was uh, started in uh, two thousand and five in out of Switzerland, and uh, that that was a stock hedge fund. There was of course no crypto, and and uh, the first year we were in the top three percent of HSBC ranked funds, um, and uh, you know that was a learning experience in the sense that. I'd never run my own show. Um, i had always been, with, with O'Neill, I was running institutional money through him. And that's a whole game than, than running your own company. And uh, even though we did great the first year, uh, what I learned was um, there were two other portfolio managers that were allowed to add and subtract stocks from the portfolio. And one of them really do- dropped the ball. And so I, I learned the hard way, too many cooks in the kitchen don't, does not work very well. And uh, eventually we parted ways um, as friends, uh, but I realized, you know, I need to do my own thing. And uh, yeah, then I, I joined forces with uh, my investment partner in California. We ended up writing a number of books together. Um, we launched SelfishInvesting.com in 2010 uh, to coincide with the launch of our first book for Wally and Sons, which the timing worked great. Um, and when I say relaunched uh, virtue of selfish investing is actually the original name of, of the web. And I started that at the end of 1994 when it was one of the first of 3000 websites on the Internet back then. So uh, and, and at, at that time, uh, a friend of mine who is also a nuclear physics uh, PhD candidate, we put our heads together and realized our overhead is $20 and we can make a ton of money off this. This is this is unreal. And so we launched this website. He did the programming. I did the stock picking, and uh, we started getting these ninety-dollar checks in by the by the dozens. And we we're students, and we were just like, "This is this is amazing." And it was uh, nineteen ninety-five was a great year for the stock market, and I was able to pick the names that I believe were going to outrun most other names. So uh, I still remember there was this one uh, retired banker from Wall Street who was subscribing to my service, and I don't know how much money I made him, but uh, he he eventually sent me a check for a thousand dollars. Just for the hell of it so um that was a lot of fun and i ran that website for the whole year um when i got the job offer from william o'neill and company in december of 1995 uh as part of the agreement i uh, was a non-compete agreement i can't be running a website that competes with what he's doing so i had to close the site down uh to no regrets of course you know working for o'neill my 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 idol was was the dream come true um, but anyway, I, I revived this virtue of selfish investing in 2010 with with Gil, and uh, it's been going strong since. Now we're yeah, 2023. So, and the timing model's kicking ass. Um, we do uh, weekly uh, podcasts uh, for our members, um, and it, it we we do the site. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you guys could have uh, you don't need to do this. Why why do you do this? Well, we're not doing it for the money. We charge because if you don't charge, interestingly, people don't take it seriously. They will not pay attention to what you're saying as much. You have to charge. Some, what, you, know, you should charge what you're worth um, or, or at a discounted basis, whatever, you know, but you have to charge something. And um, we both find that the website keeps a track by being forced to publish regular material and justify why um, clears up in my mind uh, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's, same, it's, it's the same reason why um, I've, I've kept uh, uh, trading journals uh, on why I did what I did, what mistakes were made. 2021, I did a lot of writing, as you can imagine, because trading futures was a huge, uh, very steep learning curve. And, uh, you know, after getting spanked a number of times, well, you hopefully you've learned your lessons. And um, I, I do feel like what, what I have in place now is, is, is pretty rock solid of course I'm always looking for well what could go wrong what in the next bull market what what could go wrong of what what have I not learned yet um, well wh- what comes to mind is oh you could have a black swan or you can have a market that you know the next bull market may be you know different enough that what I know certain things in what I know may be outdated maybe I need to replace them with updated Uh, And that is the thing about the markets that always keeps my interest is that they always change. That's the only constant when it comes to markets is change. Uh, So that keeps it exciting. And that's why I have my nose to the grindstone every day with this stuff. And I love it. So I don't feel like it's work. Um, And uh, I I think that's a big secret to successful investing over the long term is having that attitude, having that mindset that, you know, you don't see it as work, but you, you wake up every day and you're excited because it's another day and with crypto it never stops there's never a time where it goes offline um and uh, interestingly in june of 2020 when DeFi really started to take off my uh my my body clock changed um not conscientiously but i noticed that i would sleep in cycles i would sleep for three hours wake up excited to look at where crypto was at because things were on the move Uh, and then, so I'd work maybe for a couple hours and then catch, you know, another three or four hours on the back end. Uh, and that routine has pretty much kept up since, since that point. Um, maybe less so now because, well, sometimes I'm, I'm just sitting in cash. Um, I'm not always short the market. Uh, I mean, right now, um, my short positions are, they're not substantial. Uh, I'm waiting it looks like to me we're rolling over again. And so they may become may become substantial. But right now I'm just getting getting my uh, my feet wet again um, And uh, we'll see we'll see where things go Yeah <clears throat> hey.
0: And and then uh, there's the story that I read uh, from uh, the buyers and the hands digital that uh, you were able to uh, Get into Ethereum uh, when it was uh, still below dollar. So how did this happen?
1: So I used to sit in these meetings with Vitalik Buterin, um, the founder of Ethereum in London. And uh, this was in 2013. And um, I was uh, blown away by the p- potential that drives Ethereum. However, because I am so uh, married to what they call clinical analysis, that is using the fundamentals and the technicals, I just have never been able to get myself to buy uh something that doesn't have a chart and so I still remember I got an email um, from the organization saying you know they're doing pre ICO at uh, basically 21 cents in Ethereum and I looked at this and I thought well I would be violating my principles I, I need to see the chart and I said I think this is going to be an amazing technology but I'll see it in the chart and so when the chart rolled out and this would be in 2015 uh, I still remember uh, ethereum had a downtrend down toward uh something like six sixty three sixty four cents from eighty six i mean it, it it rocketed of course it it never it never saw twenty one cents when it when it went public it, it just it gapped up um, but then it had a moment of weakness and I bought on the reflux on the, on the bounce so my average cost on uh, two hundred eighty nine thousand ethereum's was was sixty eight cents and uh yeah that that was uh that was of course ethereum then had this massive move afterwards um <laughs> uh in the months uh, in 2016 you know when uh, early 2016 it went up to like 20 bucks or something or even late 2015 and um that was uh that was the beginning of what should have been a, a, an amazing ride however um i i was target hacked <laughs> and uh my ripple was which was unrelated uh was in a separate wallet that got hacked um yeah it was it was a nasty wake up call uh it wasn't something that uh my lawyer said i could have guarded against at the time it, it wasn't like uh i was being careless it, they said it was a, a black ops attack from what they believes me some sort of Government institute some something all on that on that level uh but they said that they had never seen something like this, and they specialize in 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 dealing with hack hacks um they'd seen it all they they thought they'd seen it all until until my case so um yeah i don't think those coins are going to get recovered <laughs> uh would be nice but uh whatever it, it's uh it, it's an interesting uh wrinkle to to my crypto adventure and, And, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's so many protections in place now that, uh, these sorts of things don't happen. they won't, they shouldn't happen anymore. Um, you know, we have 2FA, we have all all these other, other methods uh, to protect ourselves. And, um, yeah, I think too many people don't use these methods, um, which, which is, setting themselves up for having to learn the hard way because a lot of people can get um, not target hacked but just you know run-of-the-mill hacked if they don't have these uh, protections employed yeah so uh, do i understand correct
0: that uh, basically uh, all of those uh, uh, ethereum tokens were
1: stolen then they were it looks like it looks like they were either stolen. Um, it's potentially that they're, that they're sitting in the um, stolen converted and sitting in an address that hasn't moved. And who, who? these are things that I do want to explore later on uh, to see if anything can be recovered. Um, but to see who, you know, where, where does the trail end? And uh, uh, it's possible that the trail ends at a, a, a government agency I, I mean who knows and if it, if that's the case then i'm not going to be seeing those coins okay well at least you were there in the beginning
0: <laughs> <So> there's, <laughs> there's at least something to say Have yeah you been, i mean uh, the thing
1: is i never since i never i never blew out my principle i you know i never i never went you know i always had like protect place because that's kind of the nature of what i do um so I know that in the worst case scenario, and sometimes that's happened, um, I'm I'm still okay. It's not not going to change my life. Um and, and that was the thing with the the three fortunes that I made in 2021 was, you know, to give most all of them back, well, it doesn't change my life. I still have my principle. You know, I'm still up in 2021. I'm not getting blown blown apart. Um and that 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 I think is uh a principle that every every trader needs to employ because i believe most of the great traders in market wizards books have at least once in their life blown blown up their account and by blown up i mean you know gone to zero zeroed out um jesse livermore one of the greatest traders of all time he uh he was notorious for blowing up his accounts he would make millions then he would go to zero. Then he would make million. And it was like a yo-yo. And uh, in 1929, he called. He called it right. He was heavily short the market. And by 1930, he had made a ridiculous sum. It was uh, in 1930 dollars. It was something like over a hundred million dollars. In today's dollars, billions. So, um, and then somehow he gave it all back. He lost it all. <laughs> so, yeah, I I think that it's it. My trading personality. I've never come close to blowing up my account i I, there's just a really rigid risk uh measures way so that even though i'm willing to take what people would say are crazy insane risks well they're not that insane because i know that my principle generally will not get violated and Mm -hmm. that that i think is it keeps it keeps me sleeping well at night i've never lost sleep over over investing um except once actually the the only time i've lost sleep over investing ironically was in the fourth quarter of 1999 when it was became it just became too easy to make money and i stopped understanding why i'm making money so easily like i need to i need to know to to feel grounded i need to know why i'm losing or why i'm making money then i feel grounded so i'm not losing sleep over losing money because i know why i'm losing money um but yeah that that last quarter everything was like a rocket ride and and i just i was just uh, it was very unsettling to me uh and of course acknowledging that this has to come to an end but when 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 and then you know by march of 2000 uh middle of march that was that was the peak and then (laughs) then then uh it was all about kind of like 2018 or or last year where everyone's trying to pick the bottom. Cause people don't believe that the bull, the big bull market is over and the best investment banks like Gold, Goldman Sachs, Sachs and Morgan Stanley in 2000, 2001, 2002, they, they, are, they're, in the business of sales. So they keep telling their clients, buy now, it's cheap. Buy now, it's cheap. The PE is going down. It's time to buy. <laughs> um, and, uh, that's just the nature, I think, of people's mindsets. It's the nature of the business. Uh, they need to sell product. Um. Selfish investing, uh, I don't need to sell products, so I just call it like I see it. My market direction model calls it like it sees it. I mean, it's in the business of trying to generate the best returns for investors, so it's not going to be married to the bull or the bear side, but hopefully the right side.
0: Quick banana break. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about an event I'm organizing. NFT Tallinn, the biggest debt-free event in Northern and Eastern Europe. NFT Tallinn is your bridge to Europe, where the brightest minds in the industry come together to discuss and present the latest trends and developments in the nascent web-free world. The main event will be held from May 8th to 10th, and will feature keynote speakers, panel discussions, networking opportunities, VIP dinners, and more. In addition, the community will host hackathons, side events, and much more throughout the week starting May 5th. Tickets are available now. To learn more, and secure your ticket, visit nfttalin.com. It's an event well worth your time. You touched on it before uh, when it comes to specifically Estonia. Because, like, uh, looking at all of the career, then uh, I would say that, uh, or I would have expected you to uh, live on Wall Street or nearby, and these days in Miami uh, and just uh, be, be where everyone else is but uh, for some reason you're in Estonia. So how did this happen and uh, what makes you stay here?
1: Well, um, the analogy is that William O'Neill hated Wall Street and that's why he set up his shop in Marina del Rey, Los Angeles, California, just to be away from all the noise because he plays a lone hand and he does his own thing. And uh, it keeps him on track uh, to to be in that kind of environment. And uh, I'm, I'm very much the same way. Um, as far as Estonia, a very good friend in California, um, introduced me to this country, uh, in 2003, we came here with his dad. He wanted to get his citizenship in the EU. I fell in love with the culture. I met an Estonian. I met his friends, kept coming back, uh, over a number of years. And then, uh, Cape Town stole my heart, Cape Town, South Africa, because I almost was going to move here, um, back then. And, uh, then I ended up instead uh, doing residency in Cape Town. Uh, so I had my residency in the UK and then in Cape town. Um, and, uh, that ran its course, but you know, that was basically 2005 to 2012. And then, um, in 2018, it had been a number of years since I'd been back in Estonia. And I came here with a friend who hadn't been and, uh, just was blown away by like how great the food had become and become like a gastronation. And we both, we, we both uh, used to write uh, this food critic column for fun called beyond Gastorgasms in London. We we're living in London and uh, London is certainly a food capital of the world. So it was fun to bounce around and write these columns. And we were here in Tallinn in 2018 and we were blown away. We were, we were giving restaurants all over the place, really high, high, high marks. And I thought, It's Estonia. And yet it it keeps up with London. I mean, the quality of the food and and the price points were amazing. I mean, it's like you get the same quality for one third the price. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was it was great to to revisit here. And then um, a good friend had uh, this premonition. I don't know. I don't know what you call it, but he said, stay in Tallinn. Uh, Your friend needs to go back to London, but stay in Tallinn. There, there i have a hunch there there's a reason you need to stay there for just a little longer and that was the weird thing is that i ended up um the airbnb i had uh i missed uh the renewal by a day so i had to get a new airbnb and that ended up being uh what what became uh it, it was axel's one of axel's airbnb and we put our heads together and formed this company and uh he was a person that i knew he knew of me and i knew of him <laughs> oddly, because, you know, uh, the degrees of separation um, in these things sometimes are only like one and a half. So in London, he's one of the co-founders of Aorta Capital. And I'd always heard great Aorta. And so I was kind of surprised that he's yeah, he's one of the big guys driving, driving that company. Um, And uh, so, you know, we instantly connected and uh, just started over the course of several hours, walking his poodles and going around town talking about this blockchain concept and construction equity capital raise and how, you know, all this project managers are cash starved, all, all these things that are wrong with the world <clears throat> that this technology can address that no one seems to be addressing. And, uh, Axel's a genius when it comes to financing I mean, the track record is long and deep and he is, uh, that's his specialty. Um, uh, so we, uh, we, without hesitation, we we launched this company, um, which is Hansa Coin at the time, and now is HansaDigitalAccess.com, dot uh, com. And TriQuantum Technologies is the holding company under which all these different ideas sit. One of one of the um, not ideas, but the the businesses. Uh, the other business is going to be the Quantum Poodle Crypto Fund. We're going to be launching that, uh, and that's going to be my specialty, where I do what I do uh, in terms of trading crypto on the long or the short side. Um, so. That, that I to see happen because we have two very key uh, fundraisers for this uh, who are tapped into um, a few whales that are not market timers. Um, they sit on a lot of Bitcoin, uh, but they don't time it. So I could have saved these guys billions. And that's no exaggeration. At, at least a couple billion in 2018 and, and same, same uh, last year it's just because of how far Bitcoin dropped. So you know these some of these guys, if you're sitting on five billion, four billion worth worth of crypto, well, of course most of it's going to be Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin drops eighty four percent, which it did in two thousand eighteen. Well, five five billion ter- turns into uh, uh, you know a, a, what eight hundred million. So you've you've lost over four billion dollars, um, and through timing. Timing is everything. So you know, when I got out, when I got back into Bitcoin, it was still um, in the three thousands. This was this was in March of two thousand nineteen. But I got out in January. Uh, not a, not out of Bitcoin. Um, I didn't have any Bitcoin. I don't want to hold Bitcoin in a, in a bull market because I'm going to get more bang from from altcoins. Um, and Bitcoin topped had topped in uh, I think it was uh, November December of two thousand seventeen. But ethereum was still going and all the altcoins i had they were ethereum based coins uh of course they were going right along with it so it wasn't until january that these coins started to have climax tops and topping action Uh, and that's why i started to sell them out because bitcoin gave me a major sell signal in january of 2018 and like i said back then you could use bitcoin as your selling guide so it was a no-brainer to sell all my alts in January and take the profits, take wild profits. Cause a lot of these names by coincidence, sometimes were one day off the peak. You know that it's impossible to sell one day off the peak, unless you have something else that's guiding your selling. And in this case, it was Bitcoin having flashed uh, two major sell signals in, in January uh, with the second one coming January uh, 29th. And uh, that was the day that I took, all the remaining coins in my portfolio, um, like I said, some of them were like one day off their, their climax top and just went to cash. So that first month of the year, obviously, I was up a lot to start the year. And then the rest of the year, I didn't really do much of anything. I kept the core of Bitcoin. I, I, actually, what I did was I took some of the profits, bought some Bitcoin, just kept the core in Bitcoin, small position. Um, and then uh, two thousand and eight ended up being a good year as a consequence of uh that first month um and uh this last year well i've had no problem i don't want to have any crypto if i you know when i saw what i saw why would i want to be long any bitcoin or any ethereum uh so not only cash um early in last year but i went uh on the short side and started to short sell some of the more uh, vulnerable coins and of course, you can short sell Bitcoin because it's it, in, incredibly liquid and less volatile than all the other coins. So on the short side, uh, Bitcoin's your friend. I found that, you know, sometimes you don't want to hero You should not try to be a hero when it comes to shorting. Sometimes Bitcoin is your best bet because it offers uh, the lowest uh, volatility. And uh, if you're wrong on the on the on the if you're if you're wrong on the on the uh, short sale, um, you'll lose the least being in Bitcoin, usually, as opposed to some of these wild coins like uh, Sandbox and Decentraland and, you know, these things are uh, when they when they reaction rally, when they have these bounces, they can easily double. So you don't want to be short one of those when that happens.
0: Yeah. And and now uh, I understand that when it comes to uh, trading, uh, you're still in a position of uh, waiting to see uh, what happens and then doing occasional uh, shorts. But uh, what else are you currently uh, actively uh, looking forward to and uh, doing? Of course, uh, the other side is uh, getting Hansa uh, to profitability. Uh, But is there anything else?
1: I love to do my reading, my research. Um, It's endless. Uh, A lot of what I do when I'm waking up in the middle of the night is, these days, it's not to check coins because, well, I might have only... Right now, I've just two positions on, but it's really more of um, I I have a a very, very um, uh, phone, uh, Twitter feed, and email. Uh, I'm on certain email lists, uh, so I'm getting reports that I find of value, and I've curated this, you know, over over the years. So, uh, and it's constant curation, basically. You know, certain Twitter feeds I I dump, and certain ones I I I introduce in. Um, So I'm getting what I believe to be very good up to the up to the minute, fresh uh, news feeds on new technologies, new economic data. Someone that I respect, uh, respect said or held a podcast, or maybe they're in a news story or something like that. Um, and I find that this is an ongoing twenty four seven process, but it keeps me on the edge of understanding uh, how things are changing. Um, and uh, you know, thank God for these phones because they, they're just they're a great way to optimize um, your your knowledge base. And uh, yeah, so I'm just I'm doing a lot of reading and research a, a good you know a good part of the time. Uh, I love to publish material. Um, CDAM got, got wind of my stuff and uh, they've got over 4 million readers. I have my own column on there uh, about uh, basically, you know, all things Web3, Metaverse, blockchain. Um, and uh, that's a lot of fun. It's a biweekly column. So, you know, every couple of weeks I come out with a new report. Uh, I'm publishing stuff, obviously, on my own website, uh, selfishinvesting.com in both crypto and, and stocks. Uh, there's different sections for those. Um, so the learning process never ends, but I I love the learning process and, uh, it gives me ideas also on what the next greatest technologies might be, what the next greatest companies in crypto might be. And I am still looking for names that might buck the trend, even in a bear market. Uh, and I will, that buck the trend as in price. So everything's going down, but, uh, I do have a, a short list of names that show, uh, they are price resistant to the downturn. They're they're not going up, or, or let's say overall they're not going up, but they have pockets of strength. So I think when the weight of the market comes off, these are things that I'm going to be interested in in buying. Um, I use the charts to time my entries. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, there, there's some innovative technologies that I, I think are, are coming into being. Um, and uh, there's one that's not traded yet, uh, but we ico uh they're called nillion with an n not million but million and uh they are they've solved the uh the uh, Vitalix uh trilemma of security scalability and decentralization uh, or they they that's their target they haven't solved it yet but they have some of the smartest minds involved um so if anyone can do it i think they can uh and again since i'm I'm a quantum mentalist. I need to see the chart, So I couldn't get myself to buy any of the pre ICO stuff, uh, sh- uh, shares, but, uh, I'm going to be watching closely how, how they when their coin is made public, how, how the price, uh, rolls out, how it does. And of course the progress they can make in, in, uh, getting in doing in achieving what they, what they hope to achieve, because it has, uh, dramatic implications for the whole crypto space. If, if they can achieve, um, these things that they're, they're setting out to do. I mean, they're, um, let me see one second here. Get the, yeah. Th- this is just to give you, uh, a taste of some of these, um, groundbreaking technologies. Uh, I would say like they're, they build themselves as, uh, inventors of what they call novel cryptographic primitive, um, and it represents a generational leap in decentralized technology. And uh, its unique uh, operation has significant implications for data, uh, security, privacy, uh, interop- interoperability. Um, and it, for instance, it uh, has a decentralized way to store and process pri- private information. Um, it rental encryption obsolete. Uh, it e- enables the creation of a meta layer that supercharges and connects uh existing blockchains so it can coexist with blockchains it doesn't mean it rem- eliminates blockchains um and uh yeah they apparently they with this technology they uh can uh, a number of decentralized applications um and uh they call it post quantum as it uses encryption less technology um so yeah, it's, it's stuff like this is is so sci-fi, but it, it it's it sci-fi that can be uh, created in the room. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there's like this was interesting. Uh, they've got a decentralized vault to securely store private keys, two FAs, banking information, corporate secrets, secrets, anything, deeds, wills, uh, certificates. There's no more centralized storage. Um, you have encryptionless encryption where sensitive data is shredded um, and then distributed across a network of decentralized nodes. uh, And uh, basically you get a crypto analytically unbreakable level of security, um, and they call it quantum proof, a quantum proof solution. Um, So anyway, yeah, there's decentralized KYC AML, for instance, That, that would certainly make KYC AML much less onerous. And it would work with DeFi uh, wallets uh, where your identity is literally stored nowhere Um, and users yet will have full control over their identity data, which is stored in meaningless fragments across a decentralized network that cannot be reconstructed into an identity by anyone except the user. So. Uh, anyone then can meet any future KYC AML regulations without revealing their identity or per- permanent handing over their identity uh, to anyone. Um, so, I mean, this is really powerful stuff. And uh, the fact that there's some really top minds that believe that this is achievable uh, means to me, based on the endless spiral um, of, of S-curve technology, that something, if this specifically is not achieved, something like it will be uh because you know we're we're already on the steeper part of the parabolic rise uh when it comes to these these sorts of uh, bleeding edge technologies and and that again that's that's why i believe that we will circumvent a major global war situation this world war 3 i don't think will come come to pass sim- simply because we're just creating so much utility uh with with the tools we have now
0: yeah i was so just uh looking into a million and uh, uh, we'll be sharing some uh, links and we'll be looking into white paper uh, deeper. So thanks for sharing that. Let's see what uh, what comes of it. And at Energy telling uh, we are going to be looking forward to hosting you in a uh, hoax of different uh, panels and uh, even a workshop on uh, uh, trading, one that uh, really wants to uh, delve deep can, uh, can do that uh, there. Uh, so looking forward to hosting you uh, at the event. But uh, now I would like to uh, open the mic uh, for a, uh, for some audience questions uh, and then uh, see uh, if there's anything else. Uh, that's it, Chris. Let me know when you need to uh, wrap up because we've been already holding you a little bit longer than perhaps initially uh, Dylan might have t- told you.
1: This is, it's okay, I'm ha- having a good time. Um It's very enjoyable format. Uh Yeah, no, I, I enjoy these kinds of sessions where uh, we're talking about things that I love to talk about and do. And so, yeah, uh, thanks for providing this forum.
0: Yeah. So, Owen uh, wanted to uh, speak before uh, anyone else that might want to then, uh, floor is yours.
2: Thank you, sir. Um First of all, thanks very much, Chris, for joining. Um It was fantastic so far. Um, I have a million questions I could ask you, but for the sake of brevity, I've got two sort of interlinking questions. So firstly, if you'd not been hacked, how would you have exited your 68 cent EAT position? Would you still be holding a lot of it or, or how would that look?
1: I would have exited in January of 2018. Uh, because Ethereum, well, Bitcoin had topped uh, some weeks before uh, November, December. Um, it hadn't given a major sell signal. It just had topped, so I didn't know if this was the end of the bull run. Uh, I knew, or let's say, what made me go to cash in January. Well, by January twenty uh, ninth, I was back and I sold sold virtually all my crypto. Because Bitcoin on that day had a major sell signal based on the chart. That would have caused me to sell any Ethereum that I owned as well. I, I, there was no reason to keep anything. I would have been massive profits. I told the friend who uh, is the reason why I stayed in Tallinn longer because he had this premonition, I should stay here longer. And I've known him for like 10 years. And when he has these premonitions, I I don't know what the word is, but he's highly intuitive and somehow he puts things together. He's a, he's a brilliant scientific mind, but at the same time, when he connects the dots somehow and he says, do this or do that, usually he's, he's dead on correct. So when he said, uh, stay in Tallinn. I, I, cause I said to him, I, I've never stayed in a place where, you know, when the friend leaves, I leave too. I, I go back, stay, um, uh, you know, I'd be just like, you know, on my own and that's fine, but there, I usually wouldn't do that. And he said, I strongly advise you to stay at least a few days. And he was right. So, um, yeah, it, it, he, he told me, uh, cause I, he knew all, I told him about what had happened and, he said that if I had not been hacked, my I would have had an inferior spiritual path, like an s- inferior growth path in 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 the spiritual realm, uh, like a spiritual growth. I know what he means now, uh, because money is a double-edged sword, and I think that amount of money certainly would have. <laughs> I don't know what it would have done to me. I I have I cannot know. Um. Because it's this, it's an it's you know nine figures worth of wealth, uh, event, you know that that it, that it it eventually becomes. So, and and the way I trade, I would have been trading it presumably it you know relatively correctly. Um, uh, you know, I, I, there's no reason I would deviate from from all all the experience I have as a trader. Uh, However, just that sum of money can, I guess, do things. I I mean, I've seen this happen before to people where they come into a lot of money and then they kind of think things, volatile things can happen. Uh, It's from them. Maybe maybe it's it's external. I I don't know. Um, But I I believe that uh, everything happens for a reason. And so. I don't have any regrets or any um, difficulty having um, had this happen to me. At the time, mind you, though, when I did get hacked, I was very bitter, extremely. I was numb because I'd never had something like this happen to me. And I didn't look at crypto for basically a year and a half. It wasn't until June of uh, 2017 that I finally uh, woke up and realized, uh, who cares that I lost all this money? What's important is that humanity is embracing blockchain. That's what's important. And so, in June, I got back on the horse and started trading again. Um, but uh, that year and a half was was it was strange because I, I just never had been made numb from from trading. But this seemed to me so unfair that all these coins would be would be you know basically raped from me. Uh, that I just my mind didn't know how to really process it um and i still did my stock stuff and i still was, you know I, my life you know like i said i i always have safeguards in place but all that money to go to go to zero was was a shell shock for me but in the final analysis i'm glad it all happened the way it did because i i believe profoundly my friend is right that i would have had an inferior uh spiritual path and i would delightfully like to say that um since i got back into crypto in june of 2017 um, everything's worked out really, really well, not, not just with, uh, technology, not just with music, not my publishing, you know, not just with publishing, but the spiritual path has, has been very, um, very wonderful and, and enriching for me. So I feel in, in more so now than I ever have in my life and maybe to feel, to be in the state, I, I don't think I'd be in the state if I hadn't been hacked and I was sitting on, you know, half a billion or a billion dollars. But again, I—it's impossible to say, you know, what that money would have done to me. Who knows? I, I could have been some great things. Maybe I would be even better off now. Who knows? <laughs> but that's all speculation. I, I'm just happy where things are right now. So I, you know, and ultimately, um, having the perspective of whatever your setbacks are, you learn from them and you can build from them. And so, you know, I—I I have nothing but uh, pure motivation you know since since that since this thing happened so you know i'm i'm grateful for all the crises that have happened in my life including that one
2: that's a, that's a very honest answer thanks very much Pleasure. um yeah i i think um the, the main reason i asked it really is that i held from the 2017 bull run I got in at the top I held it right until the top of the next bull run and then I just didn't take profits because it wasn't a life-changing sum of money but it is it was a lot of money but it just wasn't a life-changing sum of money and I got greedy so I I was interested when you were talking about a real life-saving sum of money you know from 68 cents up to I can't remember I'd have to check the chart for the 29th of January but it would have been multiple 100x I suppose. Um and I suppose the second question I have for you is it's really nice to hear about the big wins but for every project that you got into at a really good price how often do those kind of angel investments go to zero
1: well i would say it this way if you look at my crypto picks list um, on my website selfishinvesting.com um what you'll see is uh there's some coins that have you know pretty dramatic losses you know 60 70% or more losses um but I said um, in the text that accompanies the table that uh, it 's very very key that when you have a loser, you either cut the position size down by at least a half or two thirds and then maybe you only have a tiny position left, but you minimize the the damage to your portfolio when uh, a name isn 't working out. Usually I just cut them in practice i you know i've I just why hold on to something uh, for the crypto picks list, it represents. Not an actual portfolio, but names that I believed um, would do well over the longer term. So I was willing to like, let them sit in, the port- in that, um, that model portfolio uh, longer than I would in an active portfolio that is using real money. Uh, and the names that did well, well, they went up hundreds to thousands of percents. Um, and uh, again, those are names in practice that I might pyramid so you make even more money off them. But for the terms of the, um, the model portfolio, it, it just uh it's just to showcase the names I believe would, would do well over time. And it's also a lesson to to people who see this portfolio on how to maybe construct their own uh in terms of their um portfolio management. In other words, uh like I said earlier in the broadcast, it's really key, whether it's stocks or crypto, that you're force feeding capital into the fastest horses. So if one of the horses and say say you've got eight crypto. Uh, currencies in your portfolio and one of them is lagging behind it's not doing the right thing well i I generally will cut half the position or cut the whole thing and then i will take that fresh capital and force feed it into the next name that i see that i like or maybe it's one of the names i already have that offer a secondary buy point or tertiary buy point so that way your capital is always working for you in the best direction and uh, yeah, I think that's a big, uh, big part of my success uh, as an investor is is having that style, which is pretty organic. Uh, it's not for, it, it's it's done just virtue, by virtue of what's outperforming, and what's underperforming.
2: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I, um, I if I was to um, overlay that on on my portfolio right now, I, I I'm very heavy in XRP. And I would have, I would have cut that position in half, like you said, and I would have moved it into, Ins uh, and GMX and and these, um, these uh, decentralized exchanges, and it would have, it would have done really well, even in a bear market. So your
1: advice is spot on all the time. By the sounds things, GMX is uh, one I have my eye on. That's that has bucked the trend, and I like what they do. So yeah, that, that it's you. you it looks like you're you're focusing on on some good names. Good job, Owen. Uh, is
0: there anyone else uh, that may want to uh, ask questions? I know that Jan is a big trader, uh, but maybe maybe asks it. Or if not, then all all your questions can be answered uh, when you join us at uh in May. Yeah. So it seems uh, that we don't currently get any additional questions. So, of course, we can continue just uh, chatting, uh, or uh, we can let uh, Chris go back to the markets and uh, make sure that everyone goes and uh, uh, gets onto uh, virtual self uh, investing and uh, uh, sees what picks uh, might might start moving at some point.
1: Right. And I think I don't uh, anticipate uh, having any long positions on there um, until the macro environment gets better. And I think we're still a ways off from that. Um, If Goldman Sachs is right and, you know, they do a pretty good job in their analysis, uh, being what they are, they think that uh, the terminal rate is going to go well above five percent because uh, we're going to have stubbornly high inflation. And that means that the fed may have to hike by 25 basis point increments more than just a couple times. So, you know, if they have the dot plot, uh, right now, I think there's a number of fed members who think the- that the terminal rate is going to be more like 5.5 to 6%. So, um, based on the amount of debt out there, which is still record level, uh, I think something's going to break by that point. Um, and and that could induce a black swan uh, and that will force the feds hand to um, halt the rate hikes altogether. Or actually they're going to have to start reducing rates. And uh, I, I want to remind um, everyone that the market seems geared toward the idea that when the fed pivots, it's off to the races again. But history shows us that when the fed pivots and starts to lower rates, uh, markets often continue lower for many months. And this happened in uh, 2000 to 2002, happened in 1930 to 32. It's it's happened some other times as well. Like it, 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 when, when you see funds rate um, start to drop because the Fed has to now rescue the markets, rescue the economy, uh, markets will continue to tank. They will continue to downtrend for several months um actually in the two examples i cited like 2000 to 2002 i think the the markets kept lower for like 18 months after after the fed started lower rates and then 1930 to 32 is same kind of thing i think it was all, like almost two years that the dow uh did not find a major low until june of 1932 even though the fed started to reduce rates in, in 1930 so that's kind of a scary prospect if um if history plays out uh we could see the unwinding of this massive bring the S&P to its knees uh, and and if that happens what does that mean for bitcoin i mean i i'm just uh um putting out a piece where uh if if we get that scenario then we're potentially looking at bitcoin being off certainly more than 84 or 87% 84% was uh, its drop in 2018, and 87% was, was its drop in 2014 to January 2015. That was the low, where it bottomed at $150. Um, I think that the macro... Uh, keep in mind, those were two periods where the macro environment was very friendly. The Fed was printing money, more or less. Uh, QE was you know, engaged. And now um, we have the opposite. So... I think that Bitcoin would only fall by more than 87% in that environment. So let's say it falls by 90%. Well, that means it, it goes down to 6,900. And then Ethereum, uh, will, it lost 95% in 2018. I don't think it'll stop at 95%. Maybe it loses 97.5%, which is a 50% drop, by the way, from 95%, <laughs> if you do the math. Uh, it's not 200. It's not a two and a half percent drop. In, in other words, uh, a, a lot of people sometimes um, misinterpret the percentages. If if you go from a dollar down to uh 10 cents, you need a 10 fold gain to break even again. If you go from now, if, if from 10 cents, you go down to five cents cause you've lost 50%. You need a 20 fold gain to go from a nickel five cents back to a dollar. So, I think that Ethereum could easily lose ninety-seven and a half percent if if all this plays out, um, which would put Ethereum at what like one hundred sixty bucks or two hundred bucks, and then all these other um, past all uh, bear all the bear cycles um, will be uh, revived in terms of all the mainstream media coming out and saying crypto's done for and blah blah blah. But uh, we're not there yet. I think I think um, we're we're a ways off from that. I think we we don't get there until um, if we get there at all. We'll we'll get there uh, later this year, and otherwise we may get that black swan.
0: And this uh, this would be uh, when we. Some sort of echo. Huh. Anyway, so so this this would be uh, when we get uh, all the way to five, uh, five 5.5% uh, or, or what What would be the thing that would cause such a drop?
1: Yeah, basically um, if you look at 2000 to 2002 or 1930 to 32, those were massive bubbles that had to unwind and we're sitting on a massive bubble now from all this QE. Uh, the devaluation of fiat. Um, I think that uh, when you look at those periods in history, these downtrends did not, you know, the, the losses didn't happen overnight. It took, you know, uh, three years, two, two and a half years for these uh, downtrends to completely manifest. Um, so there wasn't any singular event. It was just the unwinding of the bubble that that had to be uh, completed. Um, and I would think that the same thing would happen this time around just, just because there's so much so many tipping points and and so much, uh, so many exceptional, uh, situations now than, um, than, than we've seen normally in history. Uh, and, and so I think you see just basically an unraveling of all these excessive valuations that were created by all this money printing over the years, you know, since 2008, end of 2008, basically. Um, and that, that's a really bleak environment. If, if we're going to go that direction, um, that that's very tough because, I mean, we all know how, how hard uh, – well, 2000 to 2002 wasn't – that was those were tough years because the NASDAQ lost 78%, but there was less of a bubble to unwind in, say, the Dow or the S&P. So those, those didn't drop nearly. Um, but when you look at the major averages right now um, and you look at, say, a monthly chart, Going back to 2008 on the nasdaq and the s p they're sitting on air it's just this has been a qe driven that's that's gone on for 14 years um and i if we're going to unwind you know half of it that has dire implications for where how much further the markets have the stock markets have to fall and if they fall uh like history is suggesting they will fall then crypto which is far more riskier it's a far more risk on asset has to fall further it's not going to be i know there's a lot of uh, this this nonsense stuff was being said uh, last year about oh uh, but uh, this is a um, groundbreaking technology and it's going to do this and this and this for the world and therefore you know look at DeFi and look at nfts and look at all these great things that are coming to come from these technologies and i i agree 100 percent with all of that however In a bear market risk-off situation, these technologies get crushed in price. It doesn't mean the building stops. We're building. Many people are building. I think they become more and more refined and polished, regardless of where the market goes, regardless of Bitcoin and where it goes. But the price points will go a lot lower. So from an investing standpoint, um, I think it will wear people out completely um, if, if we play out like history suggests. And uh, the thing that can well, actually, there's not just black swan black swan can, of course, um, start the new bull market again. But if we don't get the black swan, we could get a stagflationary environment where the Fed has the tools to um, kind of do a QE light. That's what the Bank of England did. And uh, they have to pay the onerous uh, uh, interest on their debt. Uh, And so they. The QE, uh, they, they 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 create the money to pay that interest. It's it's not a pure situation where M2 is shrinking because they still are creating a money supply, and actually that that is what was shown in the last quarter of last year that uh, M2 actually upticked. It actually went higher even though they're supposed to be tightening and they're supposed to be shrinking the balance sheet. Well, it didn't shrink. It actually went up. And and that, I think, count, accounts for part of the uh, reason that the market rallied um, in the last quarter of last year. So it's stealth money printing. Um, it's 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 pretty wicked, in my view, because it, it adds uh, noise into the system. And I think that the Fed could very well end up doing that because there's just so much debt in the system. And that means that, Maybe we don't get this horrible bear market where the S and P has lost two thirds of its value. Maybe we just get this sideways grind. Uh, that that's a brutal market. That there's no real good trends in that kind of environment, up or down. So I'm hoping that doesn't play out. Um, I'm 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 almost hoping for a major black swan because then then the markets become easy. Um But a major black swan. You know is what it is that we we don't really want to see a 2008 replay again um so we'll we'll have to see let's see how it unfolds
0: yeah uh, and it's interesting to see what's currently happening because as we speak then uh, zero hedge was just uh, tweeting out that first discover now this capital one eliminates more than uh, 11,000 uh, tech positions so uh, Something's happening, and uh, what what would you uh, say based on based on this? Like, uh, does it mean that uh, they are currently afraid uh, of uh, this type of a uh, down spiral, or uh, or this is something not to uh, read too much into?
1: I think that it's uh, all these major companies, the big tech companies, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, et cetera, They're laying off a lot of employees because choice they see that we're going to be in for potentially the mother of all recessions. Um, And, and yet uh, the jobless claims today uh, came in underestimates. So how is it possible that the jobs market is looking strong and robust, and yet all these companies are laying off employees and it's because uh, New York city or the state of New York um, is a big contributor uh, to, to, to that um, to just, yeah, it, it, it it's a very lopsided situation um that distort that kind of distorts the numbers. Um but I think that right now we're going this this labor market has been strong, but it it can't really I don't see how it can stay strong when when companies just have to have to start laying off people. Part of the reason for the low unemployment of three point five percent is because there's a lot of people uh that left the workforce with COVID that did not return. And then demographically we have a lot of Uh, the uh, older uh, population that is retiring. So we're losing a lot of the workforce and that, of course, that is driving or it's keeping on quite low, Um, but it's sort of artificial. And and eventually we have to see this unemployment rate really start to uptick and, and, and materially go higher like it has in every other recession. I don't see why. It would be any different this time um even though the the fact of uh the fact of many people leaving the workforce is a consideration but i think yeah we're we're um we're in an an unusual environment with uh the jobs data that's coming in um that you know they they fed worries about the wage uh price spiral like they got in the 70s and um Right now, it's showing that wages are tame, uh, which the markets like. But we'll have to see because, again, I, I don't I don't think there's enough uh, data points in place yet uh, to make any any proper conclusions on on wages. Um, we need to see more data come through. Um, and uh, right now, the markets are hoping that well, the back the back of inflation is broken. Uh, the, the the rates have never been risen so high so fast in the history of uh, interest rate hikes because we've gone to the from virtually 0% to to 4% in a heartbeat and um that that is very disorienting for i mean we've seen what it's done to housing and uh yeah like a, a lopsided nature example an example would be that they had an 80% cancellation rate um reported last uh for uh home buyers that has never happened before even in 2008 it wasn't 80%. So something is breaking in the system and what what's also mystifying is you get these home builders like KB KBH homes and um, DH Horton major home home builders one of them just had massive misses because of what's going on uh with their earnings report and yet their stock is not tanking their stocks going up it it, it, it it's like the and i think the reason is cuz they're so low that these fund managers just buy this it doesn't make sense on a fundamental level how these companies can maintain their their share price going forward because um housing is where it's at and uh i think that the the housing bubble um is is certainly bursting and I don't think we're going to see um, a floor in housing prices until probably sometime next year. Then we'll get the floor because because real estate, the thing about real estate is just a sidebar here. If you look at uh, the long cycles, re- real estate is one of the longest cycles. So you get periods like 1970 to 1990 where real estate more or less is going higher, even in the 70s, as hard as that was with inflation. Um, real estate was still a good bet. Then you had the bubble burst in 1990 and even though it was a massive bubble that burst, um, real estate found its floor in 1992. So basically two years of, 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 of nasty drop. Um, I still remember in California, a lot of properties were selling 50% off their good properties by 1992, but that was the floor. Um, and then everything started to creep higher. And basically you had 1993 to 2006, that was a 13 year bubble. Um, and, uh, then 2006 came along or two, well, 2007 and eight came along. And then by, I'd say 2009, 2010, that was the floor. So in other words, the bear markets in real estate relative to the length of their bull markets are really short um, usually lasting just a couple of years. And I think this time probably maybe same uh, last year certainly was the peak. Um, and I think real estate falls this year. And then by 2024, it hits a major floor and starts back up, so you know. But these stocks, in the meantime, I, I don't see how they can maintain their share price. I think they gotta they've gotta correct before they find their own floors.
0: Okay, yeah, v- very, very insightful, uh, Owen. You you had your hand up. Yeah.
2: So this this is my last question. I promise. Uh, you very very briefly mentioned XRP um what are your thoughts on it fundamentally
1: i haven't looked into xrp in in a long time i think it really is um guided by i guess the uh the courts and, and the decisions um that come to pass um i had xrp a, a long time ago and my average cost was point 0037 cents <laughs> uh back in uh uh this is 2013 and um yeah, it it uh, of course it, it went all the way up, you know, to a few bucks. Um so on a cost basis, I it was like a I don't know, at least a thousand bagger for me. Uh but that wallet was hacked at the same time that the Ethereum was hacked And it, Again, it was this was a seemingly premeditated target hack of some sort. Um anyway, th- this this company uh has some predictable chart patterns um and it it did in 2017. It you know where it just goes flatline and then it breaks out of a really easy pace. Um, I think that its future is going to is tied to you know court's decision. Uh, the technology, well you know it's not decentralized. It's got some faults. Um, it still is what what's the ranking on it? It's still like in the top ten I think of crypto. It still has a massive market cap. Um, so I then wonder, you know, because they have this massive network effect associated with the company, can they um, optimize it and and make it something that you know where where you can have currency conversions at extremely low rates uh, and can't work with banks and can can they become part of the ecosystem in, in a very material way? I, I haven't done enough uh, reading into the company in the last couple of years to, to really talk. Uh, I don't really want to have an opinion until I, you know, I do a deeper dive into where they stand right now. So, you know, and as far as where, where the price goes, I think it's very, it's so news driven because of what happens in the courts. Um, so I tend to stay away from names like that, um, because it's hard to predict what courts are going to decide and when they're going to decide. Um, and I preferred to have, you know, more reliability in, the technology and then marry the technology to the actual chart pattern so that I can, my risk uh, better that way.
2: Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. It, it is extremely news driven. Like I I can get pings on Twitter for stuff as it happens and you can just flick over to the chart and within 30 seconds, the chart responds, you know, and it's, it's actually, it's quite easy to trade if you're not a very good trader, if, if you just follow the pings. <laughs>
1: Right, right. I mean, if there's a method to the madness and it works for you, then, uh, you know, uh, then God bless. <laughs> that's great. You know, there's lots of ways to skin a cat, as I, I'm fond of saying. So, yeah, um, you know, and, and that's the thing with uh, uh, like my Twitter feeds and things like that. Sometimes you can on rare occasion catch something that you just catch it at the right time. And you you know, these days you can place a trade so fast that it's uh, it's like money in your pocket but it doesn't happen very often, but, but when it does happen, it's like a gift from above, you know, that, that, the that the, whatever the news item is, you know, it, it was at, what in 2021, Elon came up with that news announcement and, and, and then the price of Bitcoin just shot higher. Um, and uh, you know, that, that would be a good example of that kind of situation where it, it's pretty much guaranteed that everything's going to fly. You just don't know how high it's going to fly, but, as long as you have your finger on the pulse and you can get that trade-off right after that announcement comes out, you're going to be in the money instantly. Certainly,
2: definitely. Thanks very much. I I, got to jump off now.
0: Thanks, Owen. And uh, I see Jan finally uh, took a speaking role. So Jan, did you want to ask something?
2: yes hey
0: guys uh hey chris thank you for your speech for all the
2: knowledge that you're sharing here with us um i actually will ask you maybe what do you think about zk rollups and if this is something you're looking more into this year or not
1: i think it's great technology i think it's 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 definitely uh, has a place um for scaling uh, and I, I think it it coexists with uh, uh, ethereum solana well all these this, this these different blockchains to to really increase their speed um, so you know i'm i'm 100% on board uh zk rollups all right thank you thank you that
0: was easy <laughs> Uh, okay but uh, now we are getting to uh, the two hour mark so um, uh, i would uh, wrap it wrap it up uh, now and uh, as we are uh, do- on the same board of uh, starting free chamber together with chris now then uh, i guess uh, we'll be able to set up some uh, future conversations uh, and uh, see where it uh, where it all goes to as well as then of course uh, meet at NFT Talent. So thank you all uh, for uh, joining us today. Uh, especially, thank you, Chris. And uh, let's be in touch.
1: Thanks, Sander. It's been great.
0: That's all for today's episode of NFT Telling Talk. I appreciate all of you for tuning in, and I hope you'll time in for our next episode. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast if you found it valuable. It really helps us out. I encourage you all to visit nfttalin.com to learn more about the event. And grab a ticket when you're ready. I promise you the experience in Estonia will be a worthwhile one. Bye-bye.